Welcome to the MWA podcast brought to you by Martin today. And again, I'm joined by Ian. Thanks for joining me on part two, Ian. I appreciate it. Back after part one, particularly. Uh, so, so for those, uh, if, you, if you're picking this up and you haven't listened to part one, I suggest you definitely go back and have a listen. Uh, we chat with Ian about his background and what brought him to the point of interacting with Alaman Sport. And I think it, having chatted to you before and obviously on the podcast as well, it, it's really good context to understand the skill set, your experiences, and what value you'll bring to Alaman Sport. So, so through our podcast, we've chatted to a number of Manx athletes. Uh, I think the island, for such a small number of people, is pretty renowned around the world for the athletes it produces, uh, which is one great thing, just as much as we were talking on the first podcast about 2012 and a big Olympic hall and there's medals and that, that that's the headline. That's the great news, but there's a lot of things going on and go on in the in the background from, from coaching to grassroots to, to athletes' well-being, which is just as important and a subject to talk about, which is why we had you on. Uh, to, on certainly on on part one. So so when we dig into part two, it was really. I know you've got some Manx connections as well. Thought sort of talk initially a little bit about them, and then and then straight into really what started you on the path with Alaman Sport, and uh, I suppose the phone call the phone call you received to or the email you did to to start you on that path. The um, and how much Manx you know? Oh, yes, not enough. They. <laughs> I have nightmares about the morgue do, but that's about as far as it goes, right? The, the, uh, um, so my mother's maiden name is Quirk. Um, my grandfather is from the island. And uh, between the ages of four and 13, uh, I don't think my mother knew it at the time in the 1930s, but she was living in what is now known as Sunset City, I believe. Uh, she lived in Peel. And... Uh, um, Never heard it called that, but we'll go with that. <laughs> the, uh, the well, I quite like it. I see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Works, yeah. Right? yeah. The, um, so anyway, um, my grandfather was a uh, he was a carpenter. Worked for the Isle of Man Steam Packet Company. The um, I have a great uncle who uh, was the in, minister, independent minister in the House of Keys for Peel. Um, anyway, I guess. 30s, so on and so forth. My grandfather couldn't um, find enough work um, and um, got on the first boat out of Douglas and it didn't stop in Heesham, it stopped in Fleetwood. And uh, so uh, and so it came to pass um, that uh, my mom met my dad, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They, um, so I lived in Fleetwood for the first um, 18 years of my life um, but um, it, it wasn't a particularly brilliant childhood for my mum difficult family upbringing but um, I cycled around the Isle of Man um, a couple of years back with my with my son and my my mum lived in Church Lane in Peel and we went we went to Church Lane and I couldn't walk down it because I just knew that my mum had had a really sad childhood there. Oh, right. Okay. And it upset me too much. So, but anyway, blah, blah, blah. They, so I've always had uh, a bit of an interest in the Isle of Man. Uh, I have a, an aunt, my aunt Jean, who is the self-appointed family historian. Uh, she was born on the island and, and he's very proud of that. I'm very proud of the Isle of Man and rightly so. So 
that's all in in my DNA and in the background somewhere, right? Um, and um, I, for a, a number of years now, I have been the uh, a, a trustee of a charity called Sports Aid uh, in England, which is uh, responsible for working with national governing bodies to identify talent that could be the next Mark Cavendish or Tanny Gray Thompson or whoever. Right? Um, and in link and on LinkedIn, um, I saw two, three years ago, maybe um, uh, there was a post by uh, a guy called Rich Sill. So I sort of, I think we say reach out to him, don't we? These days, yeah. so I read, so so I reach out to this guy, Rich Sill, who I don't who I don't know, and say, look. Sports aid here, your sports aid there. What? Um, can we have a chat? And the answer was no. <laughs> <laughs> so we so we didn't. The but um, Rich, to his credit, I suppose, um, hadn't forgotten. And and I got an email from him uh, or a LinkedIn message from him last year, August, September, or something last year. Um, can we have a chat? Yes, we can. They uh, and uh, um, there had been, I now know, um, Isle of Man Sport had invited somebody from the England Institute of Sport, Dr. Case Hayes, who were reviewed the, of the performance program on the island. And one of the key recommendations that she had left in her report was that there has to be a review of the creation of a mental health strategy for sport um, on the island, the talent pathway. Um, and Rich had been charged with uh, doing this. So um, that was the cause for him to reach out. And, uh, uh, and you ne never let the truth get in the way of a good story, Martin. <laughs> they, they, so the, this is the way I now see. Right? Rich may have a different view. But he said, uh, been asked to, to create a mental health strategy for sport on the island. And I've got this blank sheet of paper here. And uh, I've been pushing it around my desk. So I thought I'd ring you. And, and I was like, did you say it's a blank sheet of paper? Because um, you know, I've, I've worked a lot in sport uh, on the mainland. And uh, you, know, you inherit a lot of baggage and you know, it's like diving into a bowl of spaghetti. And all of a sudden this bloke saying to me, there's a blank sheet of paper. Right. Oh, fill your boots. Hey, but what I, um, what I sort of thought was, I mean, maybe because of my experience in uh, performance sport, running the British Athletes Commission, et cetera, et cetera, doing duty of care review with Baroness Tanigree Thompson, then maybe I could write a mental health strategy. But chances are it would have been a 20-page document that had sat on a shelf somewhere. And that's no good for anybody, right? So I... I said to Rich, 
Right. I mean, the because um, this matters to me, be, you know, because I can ring my auntie Jean up and she's going to be very proud of our <laughs> which she is, by the way. They uh, she'll be another one that's listening to your podcast, <laughs> new listener. The um, so I said to Rich, like, right, well, let's put this blank sheet of paper in the middle of a metaphorical dining room table. How many chairs do we need to put round this table? So that the right people can look at it through slightly different lenses. And let's do that. And secondly, what's also important is I want as many people as possible who take a seat at the dining room table and live on the island because I want the sense of ownership to be mates. Yeah. And then he's got a chance of, of running. So, um, you know, an, an island community is a bit like a um, a uh, fishing port on the end of a peninsula like Fleetwood is, and you don't need six degrees of separation to get to everybody knowing everybody. You can do it in about two and a half, right? So, so Rich was great, and 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 we approached um, current athletes, former athletes. Coaches, parents, sports scientists, uh, mental health specialists, and um, we invited them to join the steering board. And uh, Rich and I had a stab at a draft terms of reference, and uh, we met for the first time via Zoom. Um, because your first minister won't let me on the island unless I <laughs> unless I get a jet ski and <laughs> make my own make my own way there. The um, the um, so yeah. So I've you know I've had to bring these I with the help of Rich brought these people together and tried to create an environment where they all recognise they've all got a voice. Yeah and. We've adopted, you know, we've shaped the terms of reference, adopted that, and off we go. And uh, we've been meeting once a month uh, ever since. Right. And how you talked at the start there about, and maybe it's jumping a little bit ahead, but you don't want a document that's just going to sit on the shelf. How, how do you ensure it's implemented? Is it making sure you have only uh, uh, buy-in and ownership from every, from the people that need to have it, whether it be coaches, athletes, Ironman sport? The, well, there's an honest answer about good communication. Um, it's important, whoever, you know, everybody's, in, everybody's opinion is a valid opinion, right? So try to get rid of, I'm only a, I'm only a parent. Don't give me any of that nonsense. You're, you're invaluable, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what we also did um, is that um, you know, if you write a strategy, you need to know where you're starting from, where you're going to get to, and how you're going to get there. So we had to understand where we were starting from. So we have um, surveyed um, current and former, well, well, it was academy, current and former. Um, athletes who'd been on the pathway 
Um, so that gave us an understanding of what the importance was, and you know, that is therefore known. Um, and we're at a stage now where um, we're at a, well, we're at a bit of a crossroads. There's a there's a, <laughs> there's a guy called Ian Sharp who sits on our committee, right? Who you may know, Sharpie, the, yep. the, the, the uh, uh, Arab swimmer. The um, and Sharpie has been saying since probably the December meeting, we need to write down where we're at. And I'm saying, well, you know, let's let's wait. But about a month or so ago, we had one of these meetings on Zoom, and I said, we are at what is now going to be known in history as the Sharpie moment, <laughs> because it's time to write down where we are and what we're going to do. Because I think we've done enough background research and consultation, um, and uh, and that is where we're at. You know, we have we have consulted, we've drafted, we have um, consulted again on the draft with Sport Aid um, and with across you know the committee. You know, the document is is authored by Rich and I, but I want everybody's name at the bottom of it, sort of thing. Um, so we're now in a position where we need to start to, um, well, I think, I, you know, I, I think in terms of mental health, sport and activity has got three potential routes in, right? It can um, prevent poor mental health. It can help recover from poor mental health. And it can be the cause of poor yeah. mental health. Um I find that, sorry to put across, I, I do find that one of the really interesting aspects of, again, having chatted to a number of athletes that, and you speak to a lot, a lot, exercise, well-being that, you know, get out, it helps your mental health. And then there's some tipping point somewhere where you where it has that negative effect. And uh, that's kind of, a, I guess, a challenge, a, a massive challenge in, in not... Well, in like sport not being cast aside saying look it can create bad mental health so don't do it but there's there's 98% of the time it's it's on the good side no, absolutely for sure one of the but you think you but here we're talking about performance sport right and yeah. and, and the move towards it and it's all very well if somebody does their ACL and you see him walking about on crutches. You're right. Uh, da, 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 da. That is a mental health issue with coming back from injury in a, you know, and when the clock's ticking. But if somebody's head's gone wrong, when you're working in what is by definition a high performance sporting environment, and you know there is, I mean, there's still societal stigma about mental health. You put that into a sporting context where it's potentially perceived and be perceived as a weakness then all of a sudden you may be in a squad of 30 people, but you can be bloody lonely and you're frightened to talk about it. And you're frightened to talk about it with people who have got an influence on your career. The, so critically, two of the things that came back from our survey of the athletes, um, one was that athletes felt that they were 
more readily prepared to talk about their mental health with their peers. So, therefore, we've got to strengthen the knowledge and the experience of the peer group so that they can signpost to better support. You know, so we can build on what what is ostensibly already a strength. We can make it stronger, right? Notwithstanding that, bear in mind what I've just said about a performance bubble, and then you might have the perception that everybody knows everybody's business on the island, and you don't want you know your mental health business known about. Then it's important that the you know the survey said it's important that we have uh, an independent, confidential emotional support service. So we have been able to uh, establish that with a sports charity um, on the mainland called Switch to Play that has a service that they call Teammate. And if any of the um, eligible athletes speak to Teammate, not only will they get somebody that's a mental health professional, they'll get somebody that has got sport in their DNA so they'll understand the mental, you know, the mental health or the mental health minds, the mental mindset of an athlete. Yeah. So that it'll be empathetic and, and can be signposted on to further support if necessary. Um, so it's not a bad starting point, no. I hope. Mm, for sure. The, in the first part one of the podcast, we talked about, we're talking about uh, sport for the supporters. In this mental health aspect, you're working on Alaman sport again. Is that an aspect you looked at where it's the getting mental, potentially mental health support, or 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 a pathway or a, or a signpost for for coaches as well? Well, was that the kind of perhaps developing next stage of it? Yeah, you you've got to start somewhere. And yeah, yeah, Tyler's right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Alaman sport aid. Has said to her, said to us, in the first instance, this service will be available to all current sport aid athletes and those that have been on the program in the last three years. Um, but um, Rich and I had a conversation with Paul Jones um, from Sport Aid, and <laughs> you know, I thought I could run at pace. This guy. Yeah, I mean, I really like him a lot, and I really like his thinking. And I'm, and he was, not only was he going to change, you know, the um, mental health support for athletes and coaches on the Isle of Man, you know, given half a chance, he'd, he'd have the rest of the world in by this time next week. And I, and I'm, t and I, and I loved his enthusiasm, and I loved his commitment to it. But I'm saying, well, look, we have to start. We, let's start somewhere, and let's learn and grow because, you know. Ultimately, if we can get uh, or academy athletes, we can get um, coaches in. Then you can you could then perhaps move beyond the talent pathway into the uh, Manx national governing bodies, and you can get it into grassroots and, and, and so on and so forth. So now I don't want to. Um, uh, I hope it gets there somewhere. And ultimately, uh, and I said this in the conversation with Rich and Paul, you know, 
ultimately you might not need, and you'll know when you don't need a mental health strategy because it's a, it's just a natural embedded in the culture. And yeah. and if we start with the athletes, sport aid athletes and the academy athletes, hopefully as they grow through the system and flourish, be that as athletes or whatever else, then they'll you know they'll pick the baton up and uh, and embed it into Manx sport going forward. The it's June now or it's coming. Well, yeah, it's June. The uh, the rolling out of it. What? How, how do you envisage that going, starting, moving forward? Obviously, the idea part of our chat is to again bring awareness to it, but from your own perspective and, and riches. The um, well, it's a number of there's a number of directions of travel. One of the things that one of the early things we're going to start to do in this, and I don't wish to sound patronising, but we want to get into mental health education um, and and be proactive um, as well as having the reactive stuff. So I think uh, you know in the in the in the latter part of 2021, I see um, mental health awareness being delivered to the athletes and the parents and the coaches. Um, and I see that happening sooner rather than later because, you know, you get to the start of September and there will be uh, athletes from the island who will be transitioning um, because they'll be perhaps going away to college. They'll perhaps be, you know, moving up on the talent pathway somewhere um so we want to have that awareness and where to signpost um going sooner rather than later yeah. and and i think out of the mental health awareness cohorts that we deliver then we should identify people who would make good mental health first aiders um and you know, that's another layer of, of knowledge that's in there, that's signposting and so on and so forth. Um, but it's important that, you know, we get the right people for the, for the right reasons. Um, so that's, you know, what, I am, what I'm absolutely not interested in, and, and I'm sure that Paul isn't either, is about tick, this isn't about tick box oh, yeah. compliance, isn't Well, you know, we... we Dr. Kate Hayes said we need to have a mental health strategy. We've now got 30 mental health first aiders. Well, so what? You know, we need to be we need to be helping them grow in their knowledge and their support. Um, so I see those as the early things in in 2021, Martin. Yeah, right. I've seen uh, it's interesting uh, thinking about just that term, mental health first aid. When I just think about the business environment and where you've got a first aider and then. Obviously, more and more businesses, and rightly so, are taking awareness of, of employee mental health. And you might get someone to chat in once a year to talk to you about it. But whether that's maybe that's something I've not seen in, in business, but businesses having in you know internal staff members that are mental health first aiders. Well, I think that's important. This isn't, you know, this is if you continue the analogy about well, we need a mental health strategy. Well, I can write you a twenty-page report. And it sits on the shelf. That's no bloody use to anybody, right? If you just create 20 mental health first aiders and then don't support 
Seb, you know, people who have been kind enough to listen to the first podcast heard me talk about who's looking after the people, looking after the people. Mm. Well, we need to make sure that that happens um, inside Isleman Sport um, so that they, um, uh, they feel supported and they can, and just because you've, you know, you've attended a two-day face-to-face course or a four half days online and you get a certificate, that doesn't make you a mental health first aider. That's, that is a critical point on your journey. And it's important to have those people inside the system rather than, well, we've had this bloke in Braden and he's written a report. Thanks very much. Job done. Not job done at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in your interaction with Alaman Sport, uh, I assume you've not co- sort of interacted with it prior to Rich. How have you found that open and I assume they're open and the fact they commissioned the report there, they're about not well, about standing still either, about progressing and making the system better and more robust. I, I where we've where we've been is that you know Rich was given a brief. Rich Rich speaks to me. We create this steering group. We tell Ironman Sport Day, this is what we're doing. They say, crack on. Then we write the strategy and they say, yeah, no, we get that. So there's, there's, it's been really good in that they've let us get on with it. But there have been these touch points at critical times. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. And I think this is the... Um, <coughs> continuation of the benefits of the blank sheet of paper mm-hmm. you know i th- i think given a following win and the collaboration of everybody this could be you know, i don't know whether i exaggerate for effect but this could be world class because and this is the benefit of you know, sometimes being small is a challenge this this i see as an opportunity um, and um, but we'll start with where we're starting, and I hope with Paul Jones's uh, support, Andy Varnum's, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, w- we can grow this on the island in a sustainable way. So it's not just for those athletes that are working towards Birmingham; it is working to you know twenty twenty six and beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speak, speaking with athletes on the island, was the a general theme on and around mental health aspects or what's the uh, well from their know, experiences or struggle not necessarily struggles that's maybe not quite the right term but they're from there I, I think there's an overarching recognition that um, uh, what we're doing is needed right that's good um, and that um, you know, people see the benefit for them and and next generation. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I I think it is needed, and, and I think if we do this in the right way, um, in a collaborative fashion, which is what I've been trying to do with the steering group, then I don't think anybody should feel threatened by what we're doing. And not necessarily saying, you know, 
why, why hasn't this been done in the past? At least as a recognition that, that that something needs to be done now, and and we should embrace that and and use that as the starting point. And with with the athletes themselves, uh, from the, the ones you you spoke to, whether it's past or present, were they? Did you feel those are looking saying, "Yeah, well, I think I think we kind of maybe there is a problem," but they they didn't particularly want to talk about it or was it like kind of say it's trying to extract teeth or was it very much an open again i just i just from chatting to certain athletes some are obviously more happy to talk about those things and we touched in the first podcast sometimes as males they find it harder to talk uh see it perhaps as a sign of weakness well to to be honest with you i i I think yeah the the conversation we've had with athletes has been, please fill in this surveys and tell us what you think. It's anonymous and confidential and so on. Okay. So, right? no. so we're at that stage where, look, I, I just I just know from my experience of, um, you know, being at the start of a talent pathway in, in England with with sports, say the charity I'm a trustee of, where people don't know what they don't know, right, and. I've worked at the other end, supporting athletes who are world-class, um, Olympic, Paralympic standard, and I know how vulnerable they can be. So, you know, and well, I mean, you, you even have speak so eloquently these days, doesn't he, about um, the um, mental pressures as he's yeah. been under, so, so we all we know it needs to be done, yeah. and I hope, and I hope that as this strategy becomes more embedded and more well known, that we will be able to um, talk to more athletes, and you know more people um, could open up, which then says, well, if Fred's doing it, then there's no problem for me, and we start, you know, challenge the stigma. Yeah, yeah. And just becomes part of a normal conversation, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that um, Ironman Sport Aid athletes are are used to um, regular physical screening. So why can't we in the right way, and we are going to do, because it's part of the strategy, introduce mental health screening as well, because you, you know, you know as well as I do that mental well-being is inexorably linked to physical well-being and yeah. vice versa. Yeah. So if we get it into this, you know, this is this is what we do. So there's no stigma to it, you know? Um, yeah. so then yeah, because also, sorry, make one last point. Mm. The this isn't necessarily whether you know, what's the definition of success with this mental health strategy? Is it that somebody represents the island in the island games or goes on to the commies or goes into Team GB or Paralympics GB? Or is it that they've had such a great experience in sport that they want to become a coach or an administrator or whatever so that they continue the journey for others to benefit yeah yeah oh, absolutely well enough here now <laughs> <laughs> the, 
And, and maybe just to finish off just with a personal question from, from for those that have listened to the first podcast as well, uh, try and observe other other people and what drives them. The, the constant theme is, uh, and you touched on in the first podcast about your kind of own battles for four years ago with mental health. What, what, what's, what gives you the drive to ultimately all, all the things we've talked about over the two podcasts now are, are really helping other people. What's, what's the drive in you that's, um, that is a, it, it is a really good question, and I'll try and answer it. The, I mean, uh, we we have talked about. Um, it's important for me, as I think it is for everybody else, to have a sense of purpose. Right now, I've been on a particular journey that has given me knowledge and experience. And a lot of it has been good, and some of it has been bloody diabolical. Um, and so, therefore, I combine that that knowledge and experience and um, sense of purpose with wanting to. It may only be a small footprint, but a, some contribution to something that I care about, and. You know, it's more broad. It, it is. It is about sport and activity because it's been in my life since the day, the, in varying shapes or forms. But also, the you trigger a thought in my mind, right? When I listeners to the first podcast know that I, I I suffered general anxiety disorder and depression, and I was burnt out running the BAC, and I was reflecting on this when. I was training to be a mental health first aid instructor. And we had this guy in who was a clinician and he was a trauma specialist. So he says to the group that I'm a part of, uh, what types of trauma are there? Well, I stick my paw up. Uh, yes, Ian, vicarious trauma, I say. Very good, Ian, he says. I said, I know, because my psychotherapist said I had five years of it. And he goes on to talk about there can be positive effects from trauma. And I was like, I'm not sure how you work this one out, Chief, but you're the professional clinician. I need to have a think about this. So I have a think about this. I have a discussion with Fred, my dog, who was featured in the first podcast. <laughs> the, um, and I found this guy on LinkedIn and I wrote to him. And I said, thank you. You're right. There can be positive effects of trauma. I, I I worked in this system that just, as we said in the in the first podcast, we need to win we need to win medals to get from them. And in order to win medals, we have to have these things called athletes. So, and we've got quite a lot of them because we've got this extensive talent pathway. And, and the system, and I, I sort of exaggerated a little bit, but the system very much regarded them as commodities. Uh, uh, Martin, you're no longer doing the 25-mile time trial in, in X. Get out. We've got this bloke called Ian. Next, next off you go, son. Hey. And, and, and that, that's how I felt they were, the athletes I dealt with were treated. However, I went into this job as 
CEO of the BAC, my fr- to use a mental health first aid term, how about my frame of reference, right? So northern man, of a certain age, educated, white, heterosexual, able-bodied male, right? Now, people came to me in the BAC looking at their life as athletes through a slightly different, through a completely different lens, right? So to quote Harper Lee in To Kill a Mockingbird, I didn't understand the other person's point of view until I stood inside his shoes and walked around. And I had to stand in the shoes of people that I wasn't. Women, people who were gay, people of colour, people with a disability. And the bloody world looks a different place. <laughs> but, I mean, trust me on this, it looks a different place. And it really emphasised what my values were. And which is that equality and inclusion and fairness and, 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 and all of that stuff. And running the BAC really brought that to the forefront in my mind. And we think people as as individuals who happen to be Manx or have Manx credentials um, and can represent the island and go on to GB and, and so on and so forth is because of my, you know, some of my Manx heritage that really matters to me. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, th- certainly thanks for chatting to us today. It's <clears throat> it's certainly interesting. There's stuff obviously due to be released very shortly, if it's not out already, just depending on when this podcast comes out. So I'm sure we implore people to to read to read that and learn more. Uh, and yeah, certainly from yeah. that perspective. The, you know, the, the, fulcrum for the, the fulcrum for all this will be the Isle of Man Sport Aid website. So there'll be a lot of content going on there, which is about, you know, tips for positive mental health and nutrition and sleep and all those things that feed into it. So, you know, please look out for that. And um, we haven't got the answers. We haven't got all the answers. And if you think we're missing something and you've listened to this podcast and you looked at the website or whatever, please get in touch with um, with either Rich Sill or myself. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll add notes to the to the photos and, and links to the websites, etc. To for people to to reference. Now we appreciate your time and appreciate your input into Alaman Sport. Like you say, it's a small community here, and we're certainly the the sport arenas are very good, but they're always looking to improve and enhance. So uh, all the experience we can steal from you and your your help of many athletes over the years is certainly, I'm sure, with the Manx hat on. We much appreciate it. Thanks, Ian. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you for listening. Uh, Thanks for listening, uh, everyone. It's uh, Word Out From Mom.